Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I think I can, like, essentially admit I was like, I have a, like, I don't know if I have a gambling addiction, but we'll call it compulsive behavior. <laughs> but, like, I'm real, I'm super worried that if I, like, started using, like, either drinking or using any drugs regularly that I would get addicted pretty easily. Yeah. So, like... I think knowing that like helps me stay away from like ever really dabbling. Well, I'm sure there's a. Uh... And this is the part that's made relevant for the pod is, like that was one of like the the way essentially I was able to like justify to myself that like what I was doing wasn't really that bad, mm-hmm. because I could be going to Vegas and like hiring hookers and getting drunk all, every time. Oh, and, you like, oh so you weren't? I was not. Sorry, <laughs> if that's gonna ruin the oh. content. Here. No, no. It's... But like. We're already marked as explicit. Okay. Good. <laughs> That's good for me. Hey everyone, welcome back to the pod. Um, today's guest is a good friend of mine. He's been a friend of mine for a while, and he's got some pretty crazy gambling stories. Uh, he's just kind of a regular guy that not a lot of people knew this about. He chose to stay anonymous. Um, he's not necessarily private about these stories, which is, you know, he's coming on a podcast to talk about them, but. Uh, he just kind of wasn't sure exactly how he wanted to go about doing it. So we kept him anonymous. Um, he's a really good guy. Got some funny stuff to say. Uh, I know a lot of you are into kind of the dating uh, aspects of this podcast. And so if you're looking for kind of a really funny uh, tidbit that I remembered about some stupid thing that I did before a date, uh, skip to the end. It's about maybe the last five minutes of the podcast but otherwise i want you to enjoy this because it's it's a great story and uh this friend of mine is a really funny guy and uh, i'm sure i'll have him on back at some point but anyway uh hope you enjoy it and uh thanks for listening when you do what's right on and off the field uh i, I think the lord steps in and, and uh, plays a you know plays a part in that magic happens Okay, so my own personal experience with it goes back to 2015. And this, I'm, I may remind you of a couple of things through this, and this is why I'm excited to bring it up, because I I had zero clue, like, what, I mean, maybe not zero clue. Which is clue. interesting, so just to set the stage, too, that is, like, very early in the yeah. career. Like, I was still kind of getting new, new, a lot of new experiences at that point, so well, it gets much yeah. deeper. Like, 2015 is, like, kind of an inflection point, so... <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, I guess you could say I was there basically at the beginning. But, so, yeah, I didn't really know your history in this respect. All I know is that it was the same weekend as BYU playing Utah in the Las Vegas Bowl. So, 2015. And... A topic previously covered on this podcast. Correct. That's right. We're just always, we're always circling back. It was a great game. It it was a great game. Um, And on our way down, I'm with a, a mutual friend of ours, and that's actually how we met. And we, yeah, to the surprise, maybe of some listeners based on the topic, we did meet at BYU. So yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I, who, who knew? Yeah. Um, I did. When we met, I didn't. So yeah. Um, and he had taken us or we were on the way down and you had given us a call and you're like, Hey, uh, dinner plans, Caesar's palace, uh, seven thirty PM, like meet us there. And we were on the road and we we're like, yeah, sounds good. We can get there by then. Um, and in the meantime, we're like, huh, Caesar's Palace, and that, you know, haven't really done dinner at Caesar's Palace. Like, is it a buffet? Like, I'm down with that. Like, we've always gone to buffets. And well, especially we were, this is like pretty quickly post college, and like, yeah, we're not for most we're, of we're not most, rolling in. Yeah, it. most of my I biggest, was still I was still in grad. school. That's right, you were in grad school. I was so I was like two years basically, year and a half out of out of college, yeah. and so like up till this point, basically, like most of my Vegas experiences had been like, oh how can we get the buffet? Like the buffet is like the ultimate Vegas meal, right? It's like yeah, the, the peak of luxury. Bang for your buck. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly. Crab legs. How many crab legs can I get down in prime rib? <laughs> 100%. So 
me and our mutual friend are kind of talking about we're like oh yeah well that's probably going to be expensive but like whatever you know it's a it's a trip you kind of do this you you indulge and splurge and from time to time so then on the way down the other friend another friend of mine who you didn't know at the time who actually is the one is chase from the podcast calls and he's like hey i'm gonna be there around this time and i was like oh well we're going to dinner and so i was like i'm sure it'll be fine we'll just add you on to the list and so then I give you a call and you say, yeah, okay, that's fine. He can come. But like, just know that like, I'm actually comping this meal. And we were like, oh, what? And you're like, no, I mean, like, I'm not comping it, but like, it's being taken care but of. Like, yeah, I'm I, I'm not paying for it, but it's being taken care <laughs> of. Yeah. And I was just like, what the hell is going on here? And so that's when things started like kind of triggering where I was like, what does he mean but like what is happening like connection like is he in the mob like what is going on <laughs> and so the whole way down like from there on out we're like just kind of like kind of spitting things back and forth it's kind of fun more than anything we get there sure enough nicest dinner i'd ever been to i got uh filet mignon with king crab it was about 130 dollars the thing that i f- remember was also significant from that dinner is that there were like nine or ten of us and not any nobody ordered alcohol the table and i could just imagine the server just being like what the hell is these guys problems yeah <laughs> we all got He's a bunch like of like mid, mountain dudes 20s guys yeah, <laughs> yeah. like no I don't know, byu was in town so maybe it wasn't that <laughs> maybe it wasn't yeah like a couple of like all these guys like mid-20s yeah you would think probably should be imbibing but so we did cover the tip which was like 20 bucks a person i was like okay so i basically did go to a vegas buffet then but yeah so that's that was all the starting point for me and then from there now to add to this we parted ways after dinner, and we're kind of going off to do our normal stuff. So a couple of friends of ours were just like hitting at different tables. Yeah, it was I, like this was like the steakhouse in the middle of Caesar's Palace. Yeah, exactly. For context. I don't really gamble, so I was just kind of following everybody. Me either. <laughs> and uh, Casey, who's a friend of ours, was hitting the table at something, and he hands me his phone because you were calling him. I answer. And the first thing you said was, uh, funny turn of events, uh, they asked me to leave. And I was like, wait, what? And you're like, wait, who is this? This is the part of the night I remember. I, I remember the dinner and like, I don't remember any of the lead up really, but this is the part of the night I remember. So oh, I can imagine. Continue. And Casey then takes the phone. I was like, I got like kicked out or something. And then it turns out you got asked to leave the table because they had discovered that you had been counting cards in Baccarat. No, in blackjack. Oh, it this was blackjack. blackjack. Yeah, in a high stakes game, and they were because give it, give us a number, dude. Give us, give us a rough estimate Ooh. of that weekend alone. How much were you? Oh. How much were you pulling down in blackjack? That weekend, this is this is going to be very rough estimates. I could I can't remember at all. Um, based on the era, it probably wouldn't have been that crazy. Like a really good weekend at that time for me would have been like making like 30 to $50,000. Oh my goodness. And I would probably take to gamble with like $20,000. So like worst so case, you were about worst case I'm losing 20,000 best case. I'm making like 50 with, with the goal to make like uh, 20 gotcha. to 30. Gotcha. And if things go really well, then you make 50. Yeah. So, and I can't remember where I was at that point. I remember like the, the events, but I don't remember like if I was up or down at that point or like the specific um, events of that time. So I can tell you a little bit. So I remember I was playing, I think I'd gotten there the day before you guys, cause I'd already been there for like a day or at least that whole morning, like day of the game. I'm trying to remember Vegas bowl. would have been like probably between Christmas and new year's. I want to say, and I think, uh, I think no, maybe, it actually was before Christmas. Was it before Christmas? Yeah, the Vegas bowl I want to say maybe Christmas we were down playing golf like the day of or day before but um and i think what had happened was i was playing like a blackjack you play like different they'll play like single deck double deck or usually if you're in like the normal shoe games it's like six decks and normally i would always just play the two deck games because for the uh for the the gambling enthusiasts out there we can or interest we can uh, shed some light so the fewer decks in the game the more advantageous to the player it is that makes sense for counting purposes right and for counting purposes it's it's easier to keep the count and it resets more often yeah so um like if you happen to lose the count it a shuffle is not very far away it's you know it's like 
in a, in a two deck game, you'll probably play like 12 to 13, maybe a little more than that hands, but like 12 hands usually is about right for a two deck game. So if you lose the count, like you only have, you know, it's only a few hands probably until you're getting a new start. So every time they shuffle, you're starting over, right? Yeah. So usually I would play that two deck game and the, and, um, in Vegas, the two deck games are usually higher limits, like higher minimums and, or they're, or they're in like the high limit areas. Um, which the, the other advantage of that is you get all the favorable rules. So like, um, but that weekend was the first time I'd spent a lot of time playing on the six deck game. And actually I must've been up because I played for like two hours before dinner and I went straight from the table to dinner and then went straight from dinner back to the table, which as I say, that makes me sound like a real degenerate, but <laughs> <laughs> that's the reality. Pretty typical. So, yeah. Probably pretty typical. So, um, in fact, like sometimes I remember like going to dinner, going to lunch, playing golf, getting a massage, like all the stuff you do in Vegas and like the whole time just be like, ah, I'd love to get back to the tables. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes you got to enjoy where you're at. Sometimes you wish you were gambling. So, um, but what I do remember is I, ha- it had gone really well for like the two hours playing on this six deck, like bigger game, but I was playing alone. And then I came back and went back to the same table I had been playing at. And I could tell they were, like, kind of looking at me and, like, fidgety. fidgety. And I came back in and, like, in retrospect, like, the the pit boss, like, the manager of the area, like, recognized when I came back in. And he got on the phone and called someone. And so I was, like, sitting down to play and, like, getting chips to play. And, like, right as I started playing, like, someone came up behind me and tapped me on the shoulder and said, uh, hey, um you know, thanks for, thanks for staying with us, but, uh, we're, we're going to have to ask you to no longer play blackjack at our casino. So you're welcome to stay here. You're welcome to play any other games, but you are not allowed to play blackjack. Anymore. Did they give you any explicit reason why, or just, the just, uh, so every time this has happened to me at every, uh, every currently open property on the strip, I am not, not allowed to play blackjack in currently, currently. So MGM, Caesars, um, Cosmo, Win, Venetian. So this was right before they took you to the basement, and just beat the hell correct. Out of if you. you've seen Casino, yeah, they were beating, <laughs> beating my hands with hammers and putting a chainsaw to my neck. <laughs> uh, no, uh, actually, every time it's been the same, essentially the same conversation. Someone will tap me on the shoulder and say, "You know, we appreciate you being here. Thanks for playing with us, but." Uh, management decision has been made that you're no longer allowed to play blackjack. Now, what they don't say is because you're counting cards and winning. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if I was losing, actually, I take that back because even if you're losing, if they determine that you are counting ca- counting cards, usually they'll back you off anyway. I think mm-hmm. um, because if they recognize that you're at least doing it right, if you're trying to count cards and doing it wrong, they'll let you keep playing because <laughs> yeah. you're no different than anyone else that's, that's gambling. Point. But if you're doing it right, even if you're losing, I think they will like ask you to leave. So it's always been the same conversation, and it's been pretty non-confrontational. And like any chips I have, I can keep. It's not like they're taking money back. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't know. There's like lots of rumors, I guess, about counting cards out there. So it's not illegal. It's, right. They can't. They can't press charges or and anything. And you're not. And because you're not like manipulating anything, like you're not cheating. Yeah. So they can't do anything to stop you from actually doing it. But like any business, it's like they can refuse service. So essentially, they it's like a decision that you cannot play blackjack anymore at any of those properties. So um, yeah, any basically all the companies that own all there's like six companies that own all the casinos basically in Vegas, and they have all blacklisted me essentially from playing blackjack. So I have still gone and played every once in a while, um, and just like if you play low enough limits, they don't check your ID. But anytime, so do they have you on a computer? Do they have facial recognition? So I like, think in the high limit rooms they do have facial recognition, um, and I've never tried to play in the high limit rooms. But if you're just out on the floor, I don't think it's like actively scanning everywhere. Um, and I don't even know if I'm like in a facial recognition database. I, I'm not positive about that. I believe that I am because I've been like approached pretty like proactively sometimes when I've been in casinos like in blackjack high limit areas um just like hey remember that you can't play blackjack here basically yeah <laughs> kind of out of the blue so like either someone recognized me or there was facial recognition 
Um, and you you were I, I gotta I gotta throw this one in there because sure. it's one of my favorite quick stories too. What were you playing when you ran into Brian Cranston and Grant, I said that weird <laughs> Brian Cranston and you made a Tim Watley? Reference. Yeah, so this was the height of and as my like best Seinfeld friend, we can um, we can like uh, what's the word connect over this that I would yeah it was like this is like the height of Breaking Bad. So this was probably twenty that would have been in twenty sixteen. Well, it was it was done by then, but. Yeah, Breaking Bad because I because no, I binged. It was still going, I no, think. no, because I binged it. I remember my the second to last semester of my master's program. I binged Breaking Bad because to I was like, why am I doing this season? during grad school? Yeah, but it was already done. It oh, was, it and was that already was like, done, and that was like 2014, I yeah, think. I felt like it was still going, but anyway. Um, but with e- your, either way, the either thing it is, was though, in the middle of it or at the very end of it, there so was like, an afterglow of popularity yeah. there. I mean, it still like, kind of is. Brian but... Cranston is Walter White, right? So, so that the, when I it happened isn't really relevant. His his like kind of the smile he gave me was like, oh, someone saying something other than Walter White or like yeah. say my name, or, Heisenberg, yeah, Heisenberg yeah. to me. I think there was so I was I was playing Baccarat, but it was still in the midst of um, I was it was at the Venetian, and this was the same weekend I saw a lot of famous people because I think it's Jimmy Kimmel. Someone does a celebrity poker tournament at Venetian mm-hmm. and it was happening the weekend I was there. And this is actually a good story. So Venetian, I only stayed there once. I went there on a Friday night. I played blackjack for like two hours. I made $60,000. And then like in the middle of it, they just came up to me and said, you're, you're done. So I played for two hours. They, they like blacklisted me in two hours. Wait, how much did you make in two hours? $60,000. This we're not even getting to the good stuff yet (laughs) in terms of like sheer dollar amounts. Um, but so I made $60,000 and it was, I can tell you, it was the weekend of the 2016 AFC and NFC championship games because I took the entire $60,000 I had made at Venetian across the street to the win and bet it all on the Patriots. And which was the Patriots and Falcons, by the way. No, no, no. No. Patriots. So, oh, no. 2015 season. Tw- January 2016. Sorry. 2015 season. So, for the football okay. fans out there, I bet the Patriots minus two points against the Denver Broncos. Oh. Unfortunately, that was the year that the Patriots lost by two points. <laughs> So all the money I had made at Venetian, I lost in a sports. How game. much would you have gotten paid out if they won? Uh, so it was like I think the final bet was sixty-five thousand to win, probably like sixty-one thousand. Because you'd just be paying double. like the minus one ten. So yeah, it was very exciting. The Patriots were losing the whole game, but they drove down, scored a touchdown, a two-point conversion would have tied the game, and then if the Patriots would have won in overtime, then I would have won the bet. But sadly, that didn't happen. But that same weekend, so the reason I know it was that weekend is because the morning I had placed the bet, so Sunday morning, I was thinking it was the best possible vibes because I ran into Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. And I was wearing a Red Sox hat. The uh, Both of them were wearing Red Sox hats, and they were there for this poker tournament that Brian Cranston was also playing in. Um, and I had my Red Sox hat on, and I had the ticket for the bet in my pocket. So I was playing Baccarat in this high limit room at Venetian and all these guys start walking out and Jimmy Kimmel walked out with Ben Affleck and, and Matt Damon. And it's like, because you're in this like high limit area of the casino, like there wasn't a ton of, there wasn't like really security with them. Yeah. I think once they got out to the casino, there would have been security with them. And there's like private rooms back there. And I think maybe they were like gambling, like in these private rooms back behind, but they started walking out through the high limit area, I think to go to the tournament, this poker tournament. Um, but so I had my my Boston hat on and they had Boston hats on. I had this ticket for the Patriots in my pocket for a $65,000 sports bet. And I was like, "Hey guys, like check this out. I think if I remember right, um they were filming Jason Bourne. So Matt Damon was like in Vegas, all like, ripped and part of the great. and part of that movie is in Vegas. Yeah, right. So and I remember they had like shut down a big like, portion of that. Yeah, they like, shut Vegas, down like yeah. Las Vegas Boulevard in front of Bellagio for the filming. Cuz I think it was like shut down. I'd gotten there like middle of that week and seen stuff like shut down for the filming anyway so i have this huge sports bet got the boston hat on like connect with matt and ben feeling great about the patriots bet because like oh i saw the the two boston guys like that's certainly that's got to mean that's an omen it's got to be a good sign or unfortunately 
Well, in a way, it maybe, was. I guess. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. So I bet on the Patriots like the one time in that five-year stretch they didn't win the AFC Championship game. So that was a tough beat. But mm. so along that same line, so Jimmy Kimmel, and actually this is funny too. So I was talking to Matt and Ben just for like, I probably talked to him for like 45 seconds. And like, What's your 45-second uh, impression of those guys, by the way? I mean, they both seemed cool. I don't know. They, like, stopped and talked for 45 seconds, which they Which is pretty cool. By. Ben Affleck seems like a tool. I know I'm offending you when I say that. He just I mean, seems like a tool. Got, I'm more of, I'd say I'm more Damon than Affleck. In yeah, that. Damon seems more approachable to me for some reason. He's about my height, surprisingly. Yeah. Affleck's actually Affleck's, freaking tall. Affleck's tall. He's, like, 6'2", I think. But Something like Yeah, that. Damon's, like, 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, 10? Uh, yeah, actually, yeah. He's probably about my height, which is I'm, like, 5'11". Gotcha. 5'10". Yeah. So yeah. Kind of same ballpark. Huh. Um, so, so they were because... both cool for that, like, short interaction. That's cool. Um, and they were standing there with Jimmy Kimmel. So sorry to burst the bubble of, like, the Matt Damon, Jimmy Kimmel uh, feud. They seem to be getting along Wait, pretty it's well. it's not real? <laughs> um, and Kimmel, you didn't say anything to Kimmel. So to Kimmel actually said, tell Bill Simmons hi for me. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? He was like, dude, like, I care. He said something kind of funny of, like, dude, I'm Jimmy Kimmel. You're telling me to say hi to Bill Simmons? Like, I'm a way bigger deal than Bill Simmons is. But You never told me that. That's hilarious. Me, yeah. I actually love that because I don't really like Jimmy Kimmel. I mean, I don't mind him. I don't. Yeah. I, he's not my favorite, and I don't mind him. But. I don't know. That's just what was it like? My connection to Jimmy Kimmel is Bill Simmons. Like I don't watch right, the Kimmel for show sure. Or yeah, or maybe Cousin Sal. But oh my gosh, speaking Cousin of, Sal. Speaking of degenerate gamblers, shout out to Cousin Sal if you're listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> I assume I assume Cousin Sal is one of your listeners. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah. I think that tracks. Well, I haven't the, tweeted it at him yet, but I'm pretty sure he just stumbled. Yeah, upon I'm sure it. he's found it. The yeah. episode title of this one maybe will get his attention. Yeah, there you go. Um, maybe I maybe I will tweet it at him. So yeah, this in fact this whole weekend was like the most like celebrity interaction I ever had in Vegas. Like there were some random ones here and there other than this that I would like see people or like I saw James Harden betting like twenty grand a hand on blackjack. Like I think like one day or two days after they had lost to uh, I forget one of the one of their playoff losses where he had crumbled and had come up small. So which was one of many. Yeah, one, one of many. So that's I can't remember which one. I want to say maybe they had lost to the Clippers, but that's just like a random memory. Something tells me James Harden doesn't know how to play blackjack too well. Yeah, it? I don't. I, he just seemed to be like throwing twenty grand down and going. I don't. I didn't. I didn't. There was a very large black man standing right behind him that was not interested in anyone approaching him. So fair enough. Didn't, didn't have any interactions with James. Yeah. Um, but uh, go, so going back to Cranston, so I was playing Baccarat, which I'm guessing most of our listeners here probably aren't super familiar with. It's, you've explained it to me a couple times, and it's still beyond me. <laughs> so it's like blackjack, other than the difference is, which seems kind of crazy, but like you can't decide whether to hit or stand. So the rules of hitting and standing are like all predetermined. Um, and then basically, but you can bet on if you think the dealer hand is going to win or you think the player hand is going to win. So they'll only deal two hands, and you place your bet whether you think which hand is going to win or you can bet on a tie. That's basically the game. Hmm. So it's it's very similar to blackjack. You can count cards in it, but it's you can't you can't get anywhere near as as good of an advantage counting cards in baccarat as you can in blackjack. Gotcha. Um, but so I was playing baccarat, basically just waiting for that game to start. So all these guys roll through. I'm trying to remember who else. Those three, and then Damon Affleck and Kimmel, and then Cranston were the only ones I talked to. I want to say Brad Garrett, co-star of uh, Everybody Loves Raymond, walked through. I'm not even sure which one. It's that like is. his brother, the really tall, the guy? tall one. Yeah. Oh, is that his name? Yeah, that's his name. Yeah, he's. In fact, the only reason I know his he's name, the, he's is... the mechanic in Seinfeld. Yeah. Oh, that's the better reference. Yeah. And the only reason I actually know his name is because uh, they reference it on Arrested Development. <laughs> is that right? It's a regular Brad Garrett. <laughs> So what? I don't even remember that. That's yeah. hilarious. So that's a that's, that's a good, probably a joke. One of the many jokes you. that was over my head. Yeah, there's the there's many in that show that are over our head. But yeah, he is the mechanic on Seinfeld. That's yeah. the better reference. Anyway, have I, you I, checked the washer fluid? The washer fluid is not the washer fluid got, is not fine. I've got no confidence in that gasket. <laughs> you got to change your oil every thousand miles. Have you been picking at the shift knob? <laughs> you know, it's just wear and tear. Oh, <laughs> this could be a six-hour podcast <laughs> if we let the Seinfeld <laughs> references Seriously. really flow. 
Here's the level of Harper and I's relationship. We share a Hulu account to watch Seinfeld. Oh, my so gosh. That's the yes. level of our connection. And that's about as high as it gets. That's for, as, Yeah, that's as close anyone. as it gets. Yeah, I mean, we're basically, like, let's be honest. We're just about one degree away from a married couple. I'm good with that. If, yeah. For tax benefits, maybe we should look into it. <laughs> It's, fine. Um, it's 2021, man. May as well just embrace it. Sure. Call it spade a spade. I'd, I'd love to get on your health insurance. <laughs> By all means. Um, so Cranston walks out in this. There's like a parade of celebrities. I can't remember. There wasn't anyone else like that famous. So I'd like the, the, the A-listers, the headliners of this event were definitely like Affleck and Damon. But Brian Cranston walks out and I said, um, I wish I could. I, I think I just said, hey, what's up, Wally or something like that. Or Tim Wall, I forget, but it was a Wally reference. I, I don't think I might have been a quote from the show that, like, he says or something. Some of the label maker, yeah, maybe regifted. He gifted and he regifted, <laughs> and now he's trying to take a take a downtown invite to a Super Bowl sex romp. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I think it was just like, hey, what's up, Wally, or something like that. And I think he kind of smiled, and I think it was like, oh, a non-Breaking Bad recognition for me. This is rare. Which I think he'd appreciate. And he kind of did. So this is what happened. So he was like, yeah, man. What? And I like stood up and was like, hey, I love you. Obviously, I love you on Breaking Bad. But like Seinfeld is just my show, man. So like and Seinfeld's like for sure by far my favorite show. So and like it's in a casino. So I was always like I never asked for like doing pictures. I don't know. Maybe I like I'm definitely not the kind of person who's like, oh, I got to get a picture with this guy. Yeah. Or, like, get an autograph that's not your so, style. Like, I, just the it's also is cool enough for me. That culture, that setting isn't. And yeah, it seems like, like they look down upon. Yeah. Big time, right? And I'm sure if I like ask for a picture, maybe some would do it. But also some would probably like we're in a casino like and they're weird about pictures in casinos anyway, mm-hmm. especially in the high limit rooms. So. Um, but so Cranston and I. He, I was like, we, we were talking for a second, and then he was like, hey, let's sit, let me sit down. And he like sat down and played a hand with me. So I, he didn't bet because I don't, I'm assuming he didn't like have any chips on him. But I like put my bet out, and then they dealt the hand. And then in Baccarat, the other thing that's different with blackjack is like in Vegas, you're not allowed to touch any cards, right? Especially in blackjack, like you, you, you're yeah. not allowed to touch yeah. the cards. Um, but in Baccarat, you can touch the cards and you can like rip them up. You can do whatever you want with them. It's like a free for all. They only use the deck once, which I guess they do in blackjack too, but you're not allowed to touch the cards anyway. So you can kind of like look at them carefully, however you want. I'm like making hand motions that no one can see. <laughs> Deb Mike trying to mime it. It was a very careful look that he <laughs> you gave can like to his you hand. can like almost like a if, yeah. like you can imagine if you're playing poker like you would look at your cards carefully and like keep them towards the table. Yeah, you can just kind of look at them however you want, or you can just flip them over. It's all up to you. But they like they slide the hand to you that, of the two that you've bet on. Uh-huh. So they slid me the hand, and then I passed it over to Cranston. So he like looked at the hand for me. And I think it was a winner, if I remember right. Hey. Good vibes. Good, good, and good so vibes it was a winner, and we like fist bumped, and we were excited. And then he walked out and went went on to his poker tournament. So he is the one who knocks. He was the one who knocks, and he was the one who flipped the winner. That's right. So that's awesome. So that was cool. I'm trying to remember if, like the best other celebrity sightings. I mean, the best actually the best one for me was I was there the week of Tiger Jam. Yeah, thoughts and prayers to Tiger. But I'm a big Tiger fan, and so the week Tiger Jam is like his um, charity. It's like a benefit for his foundation. Gotcha. And it's like you come and he does like a, he'll play golf. Like, or there's a there's golf round you can play in, and then there's like a, a concert and a charity auction, and they do like a poker tournament too. So the people that are like super big time get invited to come to this to like donate money, which I wasn't quite on that list. But my host um, had another like customer or client or whatever um, that had like two badges to just like hang out in the poker tournament area like not playing in the poker tournament but just hanging out and like they block off a part of the casino and have like kind of like a um, like a buffet kind of like finger foods and like bartender and just an area where you can hang out with the people that are playing and tiger standing there too so i got his badge to like hang out in this area so i was like i didn't he was had he was like kind of behind some people and like wasn't quite mingling so i didn't talk to him sadly but i was like two feet from tiger woods so which that was, is that's like I mean in the in the pantheon of celebrity yeah I mean that's probably heroes the most, of yours for sure the most and like the most famous yeah too. so that was pretty cool um, I said I saw Harden I saw Chris Paul a few golfers um, I saw Barkley I've never seen Jordan that's a bummer um, yeah I'm trying to think. Uh, um, okay, what about anyway? Like Chase isn't here, but he did. He did have a couple questions earlier. 
what's the most you've ever bet on a single hand and how did that go <sighs> and along those lines i guess biggest bet you've ever made even sports gambling wise so the the biggest bet i'm trying to remember like table game wise i want to say probably twenty thousand is the biggest like say like blackjack hand or baccarat hand mm-hmm. um Actually, I take that back. The biggest win I've ever had on a table was on roulette. So if you hit an individual number in roulette, it's you win 35 to 1. And I put I had put $1000 on four different numbers. Mm-hmm. So four I bet 4000 essentially and hit one of them. So I no won $31,000 on that like one spin of roulette. What so that's was, probably the biggest individual. What was the number? It was uh it was either 12 or 18. How do you not remember for sure? I wish I could remember. <laughs> that seems something that you should always Listen, remember. There's been a lot of bets in the last five, six what, years. What's the significance so, behind 12 or 18 or the other two numbers for that matter that you have? Um, just kind of random ones. I don't know. Is that right? Nothing like, you didn't nothing have any? Like super there's special, nothing sentimental. No. Well, so 18 is my birthday. Okay. 12, like maybe John Stockton. I don't know. Brady. Tom Brady. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, how did wait? You said Stockton over Brady. Well, <laughs> I don't know. All right, okay. So biggest hand. How about biggest sports bet? So the biggest sports bet was that same, um, uh, that Patriots bet. So like sixty four. Okay. I think I think the total was like sixty four thousand dollars, and that would have won like fifty nine, probably something like that, fifty eight thousand. But that was a loser. And in one weekend. The most you've made. I know you've told me this before, so I know you'll be lying if you're lying. <laughs> well, I could have been lying before, and maybe I'll be honest this time. Good point. But no, I'm pretty sure I've been honest about this one. So over like a three-day stretch, the the most I made total was about $600,000. Oh and that's how much you came away with? Yeah, after after like four days. Oh, my goodness. So you paid. Now, uh, the biggest much, loss. Did you pay a full tithe on that one? Follow-up. So to my, I've done some research on this. Uh, <laughs> Wait, you're not going to answer the question. The church does not is not interested in tithing on gambling winnings. Oh, so you got to keep that ten percent. You can keep you can 10%. always give that ten percent well, to me. Here's the follow up. I could give it to you. I did not do that. <laughs> I paid. I probably, if we're being frank, I probably did not pay a full tithe or a full ten percent. But I did. Um, I would I would be pretty generous in my call it like other offerings for some of it over based on a full year. So obviously. Gambling can be pretty uh, volatile, so just because I made six hundred grand in one weekend doesn't necessarily mean that's how much I made for the year. Um, so yeah, but try to try to be a little more generous in the maybe humanitarian aid line. Is that right? Then, uh, but yeah, as as far as my research got me, uh, the church is not interested on in tithing on gambling winnings. Yeah, I've heard that actually. So um, can't buy your way into heaven, dude. No. Something about a, the eye of a needle or something. Well, that's actually not to get too tangential because I do want to obviously come back to your debauchery, but oh. <laughs> I I am curious. You might kinda, come up short if you think the debauchery is. Maybe, maybe. No, I know you well enough, though. I know you're not too crazy. But um, uh, how do you perceive gambling and all that in the context of all that? Like, I know your mom has been adamantly against it, not to bring her up, but to bring her up. Um. You like yeah. So to be maybe to be clear for the viewers, without going into too much detail, my parents are both like very active members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. To say the least, as am I actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, you raised that as such, and raised you, you as kept such, that tradition alive. Raised as such, uh, current temple recommend holder. Good for you, man. So, <laughs> for what that's worth, <laughs> yeah. temples are temples are closed. Yeah, but um, the. Uh, the, yeah, the attitude towards gambling growing up was definitely very much against. We, we like, never had playing cards in my house growing up. Um, so that, like, the, the road... Because face cards are of the devil. Yeah, face cards are of the devil. So the road <laughs> from that to winning $600,000 in a weekend, or we didn't get to the other part of that, but the, I also have lost $400,000 in a weekend. What was that weekend so, like? Uh, it was not great. And those... Those two weekends were not very far apart. Those were within the same month. So that was, it was kind of a long road to get there, though. So, like, basically it started as, I don't know if you're familiar with the film 21. Yeah. Starring disgraced Kevin Spacey. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jim Sturgis? Is that Jim Sturgis or is yeah, that the other one? No, that's him and Kate, Kate Bosworth. 
it's like a pretty like well-established trope i feel like in movies of like oh we need to make money fast oh this guy knows how to count cards or rain man can count cards so we can go make money at the casino yeah and then 21 is is like the story of the MIT blackjack team bringing down the house is the book. Which is actually a true story. True story. Yeah. But it was like this whole involved like team mm-hmm. and they're like organized together. by a professor. They're organized. Yeah. Very organized. And they're making millions of dollars supposedly. Um, and I actually never read the book. I was probably, I certainly had time and I could have picked it up, but I never actually read the book, but I saw the movie. That's probably good That's enough. That's good right? enough. Yeah. But that intrigued me enough between like all the tropes from the movies and then that specific movie about that true story was like, I wonder. And the thing that made me curious was like movies make it seem like you have to be really smart to count cards. And I'm not the most prideful person, but I'm probably not the most humble person either. And so there and I like fancy myself a pretty intelligent person. And so I kind of wanted to be like, well, number one, like, could anyone figure this out? Or like, more specifically, can I figure this out and like actually make money? Um, and I like enjoyed like playing poker, just kind of like pretty casual gambling, very small stakes like blackjack and stuff like that. I was never a big gambler, at least like big dollars. But this intrigued me. And so I started, I like read a book about counting cards and like practiced. And then I went out to Wendover a few times and tried it and it didn't like i didn't make a ton of money i wasn't playing like a lot of money betting but i was just trying to figure out and like but i and i wasn't winning a ton but i like won enough that it like made me think like oh i mean i at least want to like try it at higher dollars and just see and like the math behind it is like pretty well established that it's true now it's it's funny because like basically when you play blackjack the house has about a one percent edge or advantage so, like, 1% of every dollar you gamble, like, you will lose over time, essentially, um, playing normally. Now, when you count cards, basically, you get a 1% advantage. So, just like, it? yeah, it's like, it just flips, like, the hmm. house edge from 1% to your edge to 1%. So, it's not like you're guaranteed to win every time. Right. Um, but it, it is, like, a like pretty well-established mathematically that you can get an edge. Um, but now, like... Obviously, when you go and play blackjack or anyone goes and plays blackjack, you can win. Even you can win like over hours or days or whatever. But the house always has an edge. So it's the same with counting cards. Like you can lose. You definitely can lose. But um, the edge over time flips to the player. So what happened was I like this probably wasn't the smartest thing, but I like wanted to actually like take a fair amount of money. So I like took out a personal loan. To start it. Are you serious? Yeah. Where'd you get the, where'd you get Just the like online. From? Oh my I had goodness. some, I had like, I probably had like, took like, basically I took the amount of money I was willing to lose and then I like borrowed some money too. How much? So the first time I went to Vegas, I took $30,000. How much did you borrow? I think it was 15 and 15. It might've been 20 and 10. Yeah. I forget exactly. But. What um, was the interest rate on that personally? Oh, I don't remember. I mean, not crazy. So I had good credit. Gotcha. Probably like, I want to say like those loans are like 10% maybe or 6% or 8% or something. It's not a crazy interest rate. You're right. That's not as crazy as I would have thought. Relative to like. I would have thought it would have been at least like 15. Maybe it could have been 15. It's it's not like crazy, but it's not like a mortgage rate either. I mean, these are the type of loans they're giving out willy-nilly. Yeah, like basically if you have good credit and like show some income, you can get $50,000 easily. So, And I took enough where like, okay. So worst case, what I was doing is like, I'm still like a fairly like risk averse person. So like worst case, I lose all this money and it was like the payment would have been like two or 300 bucks a month for, I forget, like three or four years. So Mm -hmm. not ideal, but like not amount that if I lose this and have to pay it back, it will like ruin me financially. And like along the same line, like it's also like I could get a bonus from work and then just pay it off or something. So like, right. obviously I'd prefer not to lose, but I wanted yeah. to at least try and see. And it would be a lesson learned situation where it's and, like a one yeah. off, like you're not going to read. And I kind of looked at it and here, here's actually this to, to the podcast here. The reason we started talking more seriously about doing this is your episode when you guys talked about stocks and gambling, which I wanted to touch we, on. We can get there if you yeah. want. I, maybe I won't jump ahead, but basically like I was looking at it. It's like, okay, this is like a speculative investment. This is a penny stock. Yeah. And if it goes to zero, so be it. it it's, it is what it is. Um, so I took that down and the first weekend I win, I like doubled my money. So I won 30 grand 
And I was like, I was going to be happy if I won like five grand or like 10 grand. So, um, but essentially like it went much better quickly than I thought it would. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the thing that also was interesting was like, and, and so the first time I went, I went to Bellagio. I like had a really good weekend and I went down there like two or three more times, but pretty quickly I, and I didn't, I had like, I didn't really know, but I like got, I got banned from playing blackjack at the Bellagio and all the MGM properties pretty quickly. It was like maybe on my second or third trip. And then I played at Caesars for a long time. Uh, and until, so the first time I went was probably like June of 2015. Um, and then, which would, yeah, that would have been, so yeah, that's funny. That really was right at the beginning when they, Caesars treats you to dinner and everything. Yeah. Which, what, real quick, sorry, I meant to ask you this earlier. Why did they comp you dinner? Like, what in what scenario do they? Well, so when you're gambling, like, so like I'm, I was at that point in blackjack, I was betting like a thousand to five thousand dollars a hand. Mm-hmm. But like, basically, they have formulas for like how much you bet for how long you play, and they just like multiply that out, and then they'll comp you back like a certain percentage of your play. So they don't mind paying for dinners and paying for rooms and paying for all this stuff if you're playing. You know, you're, if you're if you're betting a thousand dollars a hand and you play sixty hands in an hour, and then you play for twenty hours over a weekend, just do the math, multiply that out, and then they'll comp you back. Like I've heard, I've seen different things. Like they'll comp you back like forty percent of that amount or something. Basically, I kept playing blackjack. Like it went way better than I ever thought it would. Um, I kept playing blackjack. Finally, I like couldn't play blackjack anywhere else in Vegas. And so I discovered Baccarat, which is actually like a much higher limit game. Like it's very popular amongst Asian gamblers. Hmm. Um, I discovered Baccarat and that was the game actually where I made the most money. And at a certain point I had made, I took the craziest probably actual story is not the $600,000 weekend. The craziest story is I went for a Pac-12 basketball tournament and took $4,000 with me. And came home with a hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Four thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. And came back with a hundred and sixty. And then I went back a week later and took like twenty grand and made two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So in like over the course of like two weeks, I turned four thousand dollars into like four hundred thousand dollars. At the same time, I was hating the job I had, so I quit my job. And my plan was to get another job quickly, but that turned into about I didn't get another I didn't get another job for about twenty months. Because <laughs> why would you? You exactly. had a job. Exactly. Now and then over that time is when I would go. Like I was going to Vegas probably four to six times a month. So I turned four thousand into four hundred thousand dollars in two weeks. In two weeks. And at the same time, had a job I hated and was like, why would I keep working this job that I'm gonna make? I won't make. I'll make four hundred thousand dollars in five years of this job, and I just made it in two weeks. So why would I keep banging my head against the wall? Bought a new or leased a new car, joined a country club, like all within a month of quitting my job. <laughs> so, so had a good time. Let, let me ask you this, point blank: Why'd you stop? Um. So most of what I had made, I gave back, as happens with gambling. So Meaning, like you just gave back your house. Yeah, I lost. So so do you know your overall net? Are you willing to share? And do you know your um, overall net? I am up a non-life-changing amount okay in my life so you don't want to share that number i'll keep keep some of that to myself (laughs) fair enough we can go through my tax returns if you'd like to but i'm good um no so yeah so like obviously i made 400 grand in two weeks i made six hundred thousand dollars in one weekend i also had a weekend i lost four hundred thousand i had another one i lost like 250 and then i had just a lot of weekends where i would take 50 and lose it and I did that a fair amount. So essentially at the end of the day, I I'm still up, but not a, yeah, not like a life changing amount. I have a job currently. And now the, the, the scariest thing with gambling actually is how it changes your attitudes and like perception of money. So it's funny you say that. Sorry, I'll keep letting no, you go going, but well, I mean, so at a very micro level, I actually felt this even in high school because I did get into playing Texas Hold'em, as did everyone else as in our generation, yeah, I feel like. That era. And I was better than average. I wouldn't say I was like necessarily great, but I definitely was okay. And I remember 
you know, in high school, $20 is a lot of money. Oh, yeah. And when you throw down $20 to gamble that night and you get back like 110 that yeah. night, which happened to me like more than just once. Sure. I'm thinking this is amazing. So if I would throw down 20 and then lose it, I would feel terrible. I'd feel like this was the worst thing in the world because, like I said, 20 was a lot. Like 20 was – I like worked hard for the 20 and it's gone. Like 20 is two Cafe Rios. That's so much in high school. And Even three if you're ordering, right? Even that's true, which I never did. Especially but. in 2005. <laughs> yeah, right. So ultimately it came down to this is that when I, when I lost, I felt horrible. But when I won, that's like all I wanted to do. Like my mind was just like overtaken by it. So anyway, Correct. it sounds somewhat relatable on and at a micro level, but – you blow it up and it's kind of kind of similar. Yeah. So well, and I think just the 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 thing that was scary that gets removed is like I could go lose fifty thousand dollars and it didn't didn't like sting me at all. That's insane. And not that it like isn't a lot of money because it is, but like when you've made a lot of money and still have like some of it in the bank and you lose fifty and like, well, okay, I'll just come back next weekend and win it back. Mm. That's the scary thing I think with gambling too is like no, no. I was going to say no alcoholic like takes a sip of the of a drink and like thinks that's going to solve all their problems like it might be it might be like escaping problems but like that's the sneaky thing with gambling is like you can go and win a lot of money and that can solve a lot of problems for you if you if you get on a hot streak and win a lot of money that is but that's I, I mean and I I don't understand addictions that well in this specifically alcohol like So you wouldn't say you were addicted to gambling <sighs> I wouldn't like to admit it to myself but I probably was but here's here's the the point that I was trying to make earlier. Sorry, not that you cut me off, but that no, we, we got off good. on. I do think when I started thinking of like, oh, a five thousand dollar first class flight. Well, that's one hand of baccarat, and you start thinking in in life in that terms. And I think about it now, and it's like I used to bet every hand I would bet what I make in a month now, oh or gosh. more, honestly. <laughs> So it's like when you start thinking of life in terms of like, well, that's one hand of Baccarat. Oh, that's one one craps throw of dice. Like you lose like a healthy relationship with money pretty quickly. And like that's the sneakiest best thing casinos ever did was make you use chips. Because yeah, like it's a toy. A, a $5 chip looks exactly the same as a $25,000 And it weighs chip. the same. Weighs the same. It feels yeah. the same. It's a different color, but like yeah. – it essentially is the same thing. So, and it's the same also, amount of money made the all all the chips across the board. And well, the high value chips they put like RFID readers in them. There's other stuff. Fair they, enough. But I mean, more at intense, a given table, though. at a <laughs> on a lower level, I to, you're totally right. But the other thing that's that's kind of scary is, um, it's not like if you had to put ten thousand dollars of cash on the table to bet ten thousand dollars, it would be a lot harder to bet ten thousand dollars. Yeah. Just emotionally, mentally, at least for yeah. me. But when it's one chip or two chips, most, most places still have $5,000 chips. Yeah. Well, and it can look the same as betting two $5 chips. Yeah. But it's just two chips and it's $10,000. Yeah. And you lose a healthy relationship with like money and finances pretty quickly. And that's the part that got scary to me and ultimately why I like basically stopped, gam- stopped gambling at that level. Gotcha. Um, anything that would be like that kind of amount or Did- like uh, – both like gain or loss. Did it require an intervention from your parents or family members? Um, yeah, in a sense, like eventually I like, so I, I had quit my job and went over a year without telling my parents I'd quit my job. Yeah. (laughs) And they were living abroad. So like made it easier to get around that. But like after a while, like I basically came to the conclusion and like I, some of my siblings knew, like I said earlier, and like, it's just hard to like have a, healthy relationship when you're like being secretive about so much of your life. Um, and that was like, I made it at some point I, I just, I didn't have the right way to tell them initially. And then somehow I just went that long without ever bringing it up. Mm-hmm. Um, cause my initial plan was like, well, I'll quit my job. Um, and, um, and it was like at the beginning of summer, it's like, all right, I'll have a fun summer and then I'll find a new job. But turns out when you're like, gambling is really fun and you make a lot of money doing it like you're not you're not that motivated to go out and find a job that there's parts of all jobs that suck so i was never that motivated to go find a job until i basically kind of forced myself to get back into the work world to have like a normal life because the other thing too is like if you're going to vegas on a tuesday 
and just kind of disappearing. Like it's kind of hard to have a normal social life, normal like dating relationships, stuff like that. So I basically like traded in a year and a half of my life. That was just kind of this weird period of like friendships, but no real like serious dating relationships and like kind of weird relationships with my family because for most of it and to, to most of them, I was like keeping this bigger part of my life hidden. Um, so eventually I like told my parents all this and they were like, not happy, mm-hmm. very, very happy about it. Um, so I, I wouldn't call it an intervention, but like it's eventually more of like a confession slash like, I, I, this isn't really the life I want to have. Yeah. So I want to, I want to get back into more of like a normal life. So, so that leads me to my next question. Do you miss it? Um, I miss parts of it. I miss like not like looking at, Oh, a flight to Vegas is a thousand dollars. Oh, well that's, that's like a third of a hand. So I'll, fl- I'll f- on, especially on like a Wednesday afternoon when it's snowy in Utah, it's like, Oh, I'd rather be in Vegas right now. Let's go do that. And like maybe make a hundred grand or 50 grand and have some great meals and play golf and maybe go to like a sick show or something. Like I miss some of that stuff. That's fun. But I definitely feel like I have a healthier life now. Yeah. So I think it was for the best. Okay. Well, that's that's probably a good outlook on that. Um, what do you think the differences are between gambling and playing in the stock market, specifically the volatile stock market, so, like Dogecoin? To, so I remember you guys had this conversation about like Dogecoin. So here's here's what I would say: like, if you're betting, particularly penny stocks, but if you're and like the whole GameStop fiasco um i would date by the way on that friend that i mentioned in that yeah. episode that threw down on gamestop like three years ago just texted me today and he, he listens by the way so shout out shout out to you my man uh i don't i don't know if you want me to say your name so i won't but he's my dog he's a hell of a baller um we're getting you're getting an awfully lot of people get referenced on this podcast that don't want their names mentioned so oh i, don't I just don't know it. i just don't know oh, I'm right. just <laughs> i mean vic vinegar here is is fully fully willing to share his name but anyway right. he put down more money today on gamestop and it tripled did you see gamestop shot no, up again today i did not went up from like he bought in at 48 it was up to like 150 is it like same situation where it's it like, like shorts it. and people are trying to cover shorts I'm, that are driving guessing. the price up interesting so gamestop has just become a punchline i guess i yeah. don't know well, it's like the old uh, the old dead cat bounce. They say, <laughs> "What? That's a term. You've not heard that? <laughs> that's like a financial term where a stock that's going to zero at some point. Like, if you think of like a dead cat, if you drop a dead cat on the floor, it'll still bounce up. So like, it's still dead, but it'll bounce up and kind of look like it's alive. So like, same thing with a stock. Like, okay, it'll be going down. Yeah, but yeah, at some yeah. point, it might bounce up a little bit. But it's oh, still, yeah, I hadn't heard that. It's before. still actually going. I get that going down. Right. I could have butchered what that actually like what that actually <laughs> means. like or what that situation is, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. But anyway, so yeah, like in a situation like so, so okay, shorting so, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so for I would example. say if you're buying options, so the, the difference between investing and gambling is obviously like when you invest a hundred dollars, you might lose some of it, but you're probably not going to lose all of it. Right. But if you are investing in options, if your options are out of the money, that's a zero. So that's sunk cost. Now. Like buying options are cheaper than buying like a share of stock usually. So you can like control your loss a little bit, but it's the same thing with gambling. If I only want to lose $5, I'll bet $5 if I want to win. But you know, your upside's probably somewhat capped there. But if I want to win $100,000, okay, I'll bet $100,000. But in betting and gambling, you might, you'll, you'll either win or lose. It's very binary. It's like you'll either win the whole amount or you'll it's, lose the whole it amount. It is zero sum. It's zero sum. I mean, that was that was actually an analogy. Well, it wasn't an analogy. It was just more kind of direct that I made a couple episodes ago. And I think that's mainly the difference between betting and the stock market, gambling yeah. and the stock market. Agreed. But if you're getting into like derivatives and specifically options. Yeah. So options like, is definitely more op- gambling. Options is essentially like gambling. And I can speak to this somewhat personally. So in the midst of this gambling, I put like $150,000 into a penny stock. A water water company, wasn't that it? Uh, correct. It's yeah, a water you, company. You told me about this. So, and like I bought $150,000 and my like average purchase price was like 38 cents. Oh my God. So divide, do the math there. It's like probably 300,000 something shares of this yeah, stock I'll just I had. do the quick math in my head. <laughs> well. Sure. I get what you're saying. Because yeah, a third of a dollar. A third of a dollar. Yeah. 
So it was probably more like 400,000 shares probably. Anyway, and then one day I woke up and it was at like $1.10. And I was like, I was so excited because like I just tripled my money. Basically basically. Tripled, yeah. And like in my mind, like, okay, this stock is going to $5. And once it hits $10, I'm retired and I'm worth eight figures. Yeah. So middle fingers. <laughs> but, uh, and that obviously didn't happen. It like, it went, it, I, I ended up making money. I ended up selling, I pr- almost doubled my money. So I basically it, sold so it. went it. back down. So it went back down, but I sold it as it was going down. And I, I think my average sale price was like 78 cents or something. Yeah, 70, so about double. Yeah, it was like a little yeah. less than double my money. Take yeah. out taxes and fees and stuff too but um which it is word to the wise out there it's much more expensive to buy penny stocks than it is to buy normal stocks because of the markets are a little cloudier so but but the other thing i would do too is i dabble in like buying short term like high high basically like long shot options Mm -hmm. and i kind of got the idea from that from the big short all my all my financial moves are all inspired by movies i'm realizing which that's probably not the best best thing to learn about yourself but anyway i want to know what basically what bad dating decisions you've made off mm, of rom-coms mm, yeah now we can, we that's can probably that. another episode um <laughs> um but basically like the, i remember in the big short the one the like garage band hedge fund quote unquote like the thing they talk about is like we bet on these long shots and we only have to be once right or, or we only have to be right once. And that will like a hundred times cover all the small bets we're making on these like long shot options. Right. And one of the things they did was like buying these super high, uh, highly rated uh, mortgage bonds, buying options or uh, swaps on those. And when mortgage bonds started failing, they got paid off at like a hundred to one cause they bet on the highest rated bonds. Yeah long story short on the big short. Um, so I started doing that with like basically a stock, a volatile stock would be at like $5 and I would buy options to sell it or sorry, to buy it at like $10 in a month. Mm -hmm. And so most of the time that stock's going to go finish out of the money and it's going to be whatever I spent on the options was going to be a loss. But if I happen to catch a stock like GameStop, for example, for example, or something where it like popped to like $50 and I had an option to buy it at $10 the cost of that option would have been pretty cheap. Right. But the potential reward is super high if a stock happened to pop. And I hit a few that were like decent. I never hit anything crazy. But I kind of looked like that was essentially gambling. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's kind of like betting on a sports team or something. I don't know. Or like betting that the Lakers will win the NBA championship. Yeah. It's, you could do well, some research. And that was what was so funny about the GameStop thing because it was basically like, and, it exposed Wall Street in a way where, like, when they would short those type of stocks, then they would then go on, you know, Fox Business. Yeah, they're or on CNBC, CNBC talking about, oh, the stock's going to zero. It's going to zero. Everyone's going to sell. Everyone's gonna like, sell. It becomes self-fulfilling. Exactly, which was the shady aspect to what they did, and sure. they got caught doing it basically by a Reddit board, and the rest is history. Sure. But so to me, like, and I kind of, I still do some of this, and, like, this is to me where, like, it's more like socially acceptable, especially in like, I would say in like the LDS community. Like if you tell someone you're like a day trader or you're uh, like a, investing in stocks on the side, like no one's going to look down on that. But I don't see a whole lot of difference between like options trading, like I've done some of and sports betting. And I, and especially in that stuff where like sports betting, where like theoretically you could do your own research and make informed opinions and guesses about what's going to happen in a particular game or season or something and back that up financially mm-hmm. uh, is no different to me than doing like research on companies and what you think is going to happen. Yeah. That's where there is like, there's definitely crossover there, but and I think culturally, particularly in like the LDS culture, like if you told someone you were in sports better, that would be looked differently than if you were an options trader. Absolutely. And yeah. I don't, I think there are some degrees of difference. I'm not saying they're exactly the same, but I do think I it's think slight it's, though. I I'm think with it's you. more similar than not. Yeah, I would agree. So there's definitely aspects of like and this is does not this does not apply to securities. No, and that's like, that's the whole point, right? That's like, the main difference. If you invest yeah. in a stock, the chances you're gonna lose that whole amount is like very low to right. zero. Yeah. I mean, unless you were like an Enron shareholder or something like right. giant like fraud or something like that, where a company goes bankrupt or something like that. But like if you buy a share of a stock of, of a company, 
you may lose money, but you're not going to lose everything. Right. In, uh, except in very rare cases. So that's that def- there's definitely a big difference between that and like gambling. Now, I could say like you can basically hedge a lot of bets and you can like if you're playing roulette, you can cover most of the board and like there's a chance you you might lose some, you might win a little. There's I mean, there, there's never going to be no chance that you lose it all, so Yeah. Like it it only works to an extent, but like there are some things where like yeah, I mean like like you're saying, buying a share of stock and investing is kind of separate, but like getting into derivatives and swaps, interest rate swaps and, and options and stuff like that is not that much different than gambling to me. <laughs> well, Vic, I think that about sums it up for me. We have gone hard. It's been heavy. Yeah. It's been light and fun. It's been fun. It's been it's just hit on all the senses. Yeah, it was a it was a hell of a ride. That's for sure. Man. I look back on it with fondness. Well, we're gonna have you back on. I'd be, right? I'd be happy to back be back on on any topic, but it, it, we will have to expand. Here's the thing. I've no joke. I've always appreciated my conversations with you. Whatever, yeah, like whatever it touches on. And um, I was hoping, like, because you 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 were ready to come in guns a blazing defending Rush Limbaugh, but I guess we're gonna have to wait for another time. <laughs> Something like that. I think I was actually here to defend Ted Bundy. Oh, is that? Oh, I think gotcha. No, uh, that was a mean comparison I the, made on behalf of Ted Bundy. For the yeah, okay. no, for the listeners, I would like to defend my anonymous self here and say I'm not a fan of Ted Bundy. I'd like to <laughs> disavow his actions. Good call. But Good call. yeah, no, I've I've enjoyed the pod. So I'm any of these topics are interesting to me. Specifically, the the reason this started is that after the Harper had an episode talking about dating sucks and investing versus gambling. I felt like those are my two areas of expertise. Because like <laughs> dating bad, does suck. Bad dating and gambling versus investing. Do you so, have a bad dating story? Um, I actually like like a bad dating story. Not really. Like if we pulled all the girls I've dated or gone on dates with, they may disagree with that. But <laughs> like I don't. I haven't really been on any like just outright like oh like date fail like terrible dates. But Me neither. Actually, I've had a long slew of very mediocre dates. Same. <laughs> absolutely so i will say one thing i thought of today maybe that means we're like not taking enough risks like we need to be that's going definitely for it. what that means high risk high reward moves you know i thought about this today it was funny i can't remember when this was it must have been in my byu days i remember for whatever reason i was growing out a mustache at the time hey we've all been there right i mean i still go there every now and then because i think well you look good in it <laughs> thank you sir um for whatever reason, it was near the beginning of my, like, when I tried it out, and I was very insecure about it. And for some reason, like, I had this date planned, and I called her up beforehand, and I was like, uh, just so you know, like, I have a, I have a mustache. Oh, you warned her? I warned her. <laughs> and she just kind of laughed. I was like, that's okay. And then without saying anything, I ended up shaving it anyway. Oh, my. <laughs> That's and then even weirder. I know I showed up on the day <laughs> after warning her about it and then shaving it off. And then, so then not exactly projecting confidence. No. And so <laughs> I didn't say anything about it. She didn't say anything about it. And, Oh, that's incredible. I'm sure that was the only date we went on. I, it, like I couldn't believe it because now there's so many different ways for one, like you say, not projecting a lot of confidence. And then the other aspect is not even mentioning it on the date. She thinks that if I thought I was growing a mustache and she couldn't even tell, like this kid hasn't even yeah, had puberty. Yet. She, <laughs> hey, I'm growing a mustache. And then you show up clean shaven. Like, does he think he's growing a mustache? Like, <laughs> well, I guess there's some hairs there. Well, that's but, cute. Like he's got, oh, he's got some kid, little yeah. whiskers. <laughs> like my 14 year old brother. Incredible. Look, my 14 year old brother grows a more impressive mustache than him. <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking about that today. I was like, "Holy cow!" That's one of the more embarrassing aspects I've had dating wise yeah. because I haven't had like, like I read every now and then I'll read like these Provo's worst dates yeah. Instagram, which is fantastic. Have you looked yeah, at that I've by the way? That fantastic. Yeah. There was one today that they talked about going bunny bashing. I loved it. I loved it. I read like the, it was like four. So this is what I'm long. saying. Like high risk, high reward move. Like yeah. Well, and it was funny because this was the the girls. The, the two girls took the two guys. It was a guy reporting this date. And the girls took them bunny bashing. And I'm like, dude, you'd be so lucky to be with a girl that would take you bunny bashing, bro. Take it easy <laughs> on the judgment. Yeah, that's... Uh, 
that's a little bit of a tough scene for you. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm like trying to do a quick scan. I'm sure I've probably like blocked out maybe some of the bad ones too, but like, I probably have too. I get that. I remember, I wish I could remember more of the details. I remember I went out with a girl. Um, this is while I was at BYU and like, we ended up going, it wasn't like a bad day. It just ended up being like, that was really weird. Um, like we went to dinner and she, I think I was like, she was a freshman and I was like, I mean, it's all relative, I guess. I was, I felt older, but I was like, she was 18 and I was 23, which I'm currently 33 and I've gone out with an 18 year old in the last, well, 19 year old in the last few months. Really? Yeah. So wait, is this a setup or was, what was that? Uh, it was a, uh, an app situation. No way. Yeah. Yeah. She was 19. That's. That's a whole other topic, yeah, can, I guess. We could save that for the next pod. That's um, I wouldn't even put my if I I haven't been on a dating app for a while now, but I wouldn't even put it down that far. So 19, 19 is my limit. Yeah, apparently. And I I've only <laughs> gone on one date with That's the only time I've gone out with a girl I think younger than 21 recent like in the last few years. Okay. So my like general rule is I I'd, I'd prefer you to be out of college is kind of my my usual cutoff. Um but I made an exception in this case because she was attractive. So it is what it is. Had a boy. But anyway, I I went on this date and like we went to dinner and then she was like had like a friend text her and like a group of their friends were going to play like mini golf or something. And so I like went along, but it ended up just being like I felt like I was just hanging out with this group of people that I wasn't friends with any of them. And like by the end of the day, I like wasn't really interested in the girl either. So it was just like, all right, this is this is enough. And then I ended up giving like four of them rides home because none of them had cars. So. <laughs> it was kind of a, it was, was just kind nice of a, of you, it was like just, it wasn't, I wasn't saying it was like a bad date. It was just kind of like, well, that was a dud. Did anyone drop the line? Anyone in the car say, well, my dad drives this car. They could have. I had a nice Acura TL all the time. Attaboy. A nice dad car. It was my dad's car and he gave it to me. So. <laughs> I could have said my dad drove this car. Oh, there you go. Well, but sir. I'll, I'll do some brainstorming on the please. If there's do. any more bad date stories, and we'll then get you back. We'll save. We'll save some of the other exciting. Those seem to be the most popular. Vegas. People love the dating stories. They love it when I lament my own dating situation, which well, it's hard I to blame them. I can certainly come in and talk about mediocre dates and maybe some of the struggles of the, as you guys talked about so well, some of the struggles of the mid early mid thirties single yeah LDS population. It's an interesting. I don't know. You guys have said a lot of interesting stuff that I've had responses to. So maybe maybe we're already probably over time here, but we can come back and discuss. We'll absolutely come back to it. I'll absolutely get you on. We'll have to get your roommate on with us too and talk about all these things because be we great. all have opinions on this. That would be great. Thank you for coming. It was always, it's always yeah. a pleasure. Happy to be here. Thanks, thanks for having me on. Thanks.